Thank you, Tommy. You can go ahead and blame me. Everybody else does. It's okay. I'm used to it anymore. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, listening, uh, listen to the words of that. And uh, as they did the song, they talk about places all over our country. But Christmas, historically, even in wartime, back World War One, World War II, up to the present day, all the countries always take it a Christmas pause. Isn't that amazing? We can't live together without warring, but yet when it comes to recognize the Christmas time, we shut things down. What a lesson for us to learn, right? Which brings us to the message. The title of the message is Christmas Worship. Uh, December started, I did a I've done a series of Christmas redemption, and last week was Christmas faith. Today is Christmas worship. I want to talk about, about the worship, why we celebrate Christmas. Obviously, we understand we're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, but yet it's become so commercialized, we kind of lose the central focal point. And so I want to talk about that focal point of worshiping Him, honoring, praising our God. I invite you to turn to the book of Revelation. We're going to preach you how are you going to put Revelation into Christmas. Simple. It's God's Word. Revelation chapter 4. We'll begin reading in verse 8. Revelation chapter 4. made mention in one of the other while you're turning one of the other messages this December that using the analogy of sports is always when you start seeing a team no matter what the sport is and other things as well but we readily see it in sports if they've suffered a severe defeat or having problems with coalescing as a team one of the things if you look back in all of the great coaches and all the different sports, always does, he takes that team back to the basics, back to the fundamentals, because it's the fundamentals that give the foundation for what we do. And that is exactly the same premise as our faith. In fact, that's where good coaching comes from. Those leaders who are great coaches usually have a great faith. And it's about the fundamentals. So the fundamentals of our Christmas is worship. Christmas worship. Revelation chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. invite you to stand, if you are able, to honor the reading of God's Word. Revelation 4, verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him 
who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. You may be seated. If you take the gospel, our faith as a whole, we know that it begins with the Trinity. And the Trinity we see in several different ways, and oftentimes as, uh, as you begin in the ministry, most of the time the old pastors or the instructors will tell you, have about three points, because after that they ain't listening anyway, so make you three points and go through. Well, that three keeps coming up. Notice what he just said here. Who was, is, and is to come. Past, present, future. Always in threes. So when you look at our, our faith, our worship that we do, we have a Savior, a God who loves us. We went into sin and we have a Savior to redeem us. We did the first Sunday in December, Christmas redemption. It is by Christ's birth that we could become reborn through belief and trust in Him. And our belief in Him comes that you and I, number one, must trust. Number two, we accept. Number three, we're saved. If you look at it on a larger perspective, of that same faith, we trust, we ask, we receive. All back to the threes. It's the Trinity. It keeps reappearing over and over again in what we see. I will tell you that next Sunday will be the Trinity of Christmas. I'll give you a little preview of the title of that. But it will come again with those threes. Here we have the present time when we live. We talk about, it's going to tie together with the worship, but we talk about that you must come if you want to live in heaven, if you want to have an abundant life, both physically here on earth and spiritually, you need to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Because of that faith and trust, we have then a hope of the future. There's more to life than just living and then dying. And being buried, there is an everlasting. And we know that to be true, that it's on past, that it's either heaven or hell. There's one or two options. But we get to choose. The third thing that comes to that is what happens after, when we go to heaven. Or, without accepting Christ, we go to hell. One says that when we go to heaven, we'll be in the presence of our Lord. And the whole book of Revelation and other prophecy from Daniel and Ezekiel and all talk about heaven itself. Jesus spoke of heaven and tells us the things that are there. There's many mansions and so forth and so on. Get these descriptive words about heaven. But one of the things that heaven consistently comes that you find in those prophecy and especially in the book of Revelation is our preemptive task in heaven will be worshiping he who sits on the throne. 
That's Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute, that's God. Yes, the Father's on the throne, but remember, because of the resurrection, the Lord says, the Father says, I give all power, everything, to Jesus Christ, my Son, the King of Kings. As we know, that is one of the titles. And he says, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. So we have the past, the present, and the future. But worship is a central focal point. What we just read in Revelation, as you notice there, it talks about that the winged creatures there, they have eyes all about so they can see everywhere. They never, they never rest. They're, they're looking all the time, both day and night. They do not take that rest. And then they call out with worship. And when that happens, all of heaven, including the 24 elders and Without going into all of Revelation, it includes us, the church, the bride of Christ. We will worship our Father. Now, some have made the comments, well, that's rather boring, huh? That's all you're going to do is just worship all the time? Oh, no. See, we start learning that here. Worship. So what does it mean to worship? What does that mean with time with Christmas? See, oftentimes we think about worship is on Sundays when we come. Maybe Tuesdays if we come to it or whatever time we're in church gathered together. That's not worship. Oh, well, worship is when you sing songs. Nope, that's not worship. It can be a part of our worship. But worship is a constant thing. Worship is being in the presence of God all the time. And realizing that we are in his presence all the time. Paul said it this way. He says, pray without ceasing. Meaning not going around with your head bent down. I've told you that before in prayer. So you run into things. Most times heads bent down today is because they're looking at their phone and they run into things, right? They can't drive. They walk into traffic. They run head on into walls and everything else because they're not paying attention. That's not worship. That's not what he means. What he says is that you and I realize in our lives as a focal point, it becomes a way of life to worship him in everything that we do. How we talk, what we think, the actions we take in knowing him more and more through studying his word, talking with him. We have the greatest opportunity at Christmas, as I started this message today, in saying that, Come Christmas Day, the world, in fact, begins to shut down as a worship, or at least as an honor of Christmas. Well, if you're going to honor Christmas, you got to know what are you honoring. What is the central point? And you see, that's our time, our greatest opportunity to bring the focus on the real meaning of Christmas, which is Christ. We honor and we worship Christ by celebrating Christmas. Think about it on a human level. We ask about birthdays. We honor that. We tell folks happy birthday. When we're children, as they grow up, you have birthday parties. Who is the center point of the birthday party? The kids whose birthday it is, right? We celebrate anniversaries. Who's the focal point? The married couple. We are celebrating, we're honoring them for the time that they have had, either alive or married together, whatever it may be. Any honor is to honor that person that's receiving it. 
no different than Christmas. Christmas is about Christ. Christmas was the new beginning for me and you. God created the earth, and we all have it, and we, He gives us actual breath to breathe. But what we do with that life becomes our choice. We follow His will, or we go about our own will. So if we follow His will, He applies that to our life. John tells us that we have abundant living, not just in heaven for what's to come, but even here. We just spend a time of praise and prayer, giving the Lord praises and honoring Him and thanking Him for the things, the, air, the, the blessings and the answers to prayers that we have had that's come through. Sometimes it's health-related. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's just that I found my keys or my ring. Whatever it may be, we honor Him by taking that request to Him, knowing that He is fully capable of taking care of it. We honor others when we pray for them, that we place them before His presence to do the right thing in their lives. That's why Jesus taught us in the model prayer that Thy will be done as it is in heaven. Let it be done here on earth the same way because we know that it's perfect. So when we come to Christmas time, it's not in our worship time. You and I have the opportunity literally within our families, within our workplaces, within our communities, about why we celebrate Christmas. Even the Christmas tree represents Christ. We take and make a Christmas tree out of an evergreen, meaning it's evergreen, right? Life, forever, eternity, it's what it represents. And so we begin to see all through there we talk about receiving light. Even the shepherds. You know, one of the things that oftentimes is missed in the Christmas story is that the angels came to the shepherds. Well, if you really look, and you have to understand and go back and read about these shepherds that were close, Bethlehem, where Christ was born, is only about five miles from Jerusalem. So in that day and time, it was a travel that could be made very easily, back and forth. These shepherds that, that tended the sheep between Bethlehem and Jerusalem had a specific purpose in being there. They were to tend the sheep that would be used for the sacrifices. They were the ones who had the perfect gift in order for you to sacrifice in the temple at Jerusalem. It was outside the city between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, and that's where they tended their sheep. The angels appeared to those shepherds who were to have the perfect lambs for sacrifice. They were the first to be aware, and they told him to go and view the Christ child laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they went and they looked, and they saw. And if you go to Luke and begin to read the rest of that story, they were actually the first evangelist. It says that they went out and told everyone about what they had seen. They already started preaching the gospel. They worshipped. They tell us that they sang as they went away. Songs of praise. Doesn't tell us what the song is. It really doesn't matter what the song is. It doesn't matter whether you can sing or not. You see, worship is more than having music before the message comes. 
That's not worship. Worship, what music does, is to set that stage for you and I. We already know that music is a universal language. People all over the world enjoy, if it's a good beat, a good, a good rhythm of music, and pleasant to the ears, people enjoy music. It doesn't matter if they understand the words oftentimes. It's about the music. When you hear other music outside of your language, maybe it's the uh, Hispanic music or whatever. It's got a good beat and a rhythm, and you can hear the one who's singing, how much they put into it. You kind of get into that music. You can listen to it. Now, I'll be the first to say I'm still struggling trying to find that part of Metallica music. I can't get there yet, but I'm working on it, okay? We like country music because it has a good beat. It's something oftentimes the words that we can identify with, what's going on. Christian music especially. A lot of Christian music comes from Bible verses, and they tell the story of what's going on. And we sing those songs, just as you talked a while ago, Tommy, and you were right. And Tommy did call. He said, you know, this, this song, I want to do Christmas. I don't do a lot of Christmas songs, but he said, you know, it's about, it brings the atmosphere of Christmas. Oh, the atmosphere. And I clicked on that. Peace and harmony, if you listen to those words. All across the country. Well, we need Christmas every day in our nation right now, don't we? To find that peace and harmony. But you see, folks, that comes from those of us who are believers, or it should. We worship. Not worshiping the gifts, the giving and receiving, the gift that was given to us. <coughs> that we can have, be redeemed and reconciled with our God who created us. Worship at Christmas should be our center point. But we get so wrapped up in all of the busyness of it and all of the things going on. Yeah, we share with others, we give gifts, but we're emulating and imitating what God has given to us. We still should be showing. I'm really hung up on that deal about happy holidays. No, it's Merry Christmas. For without that, there's no holiday. It's just another day. Even the time that we couple it in, it, you know, New Year's follows the f one week away. You ever thought about that? Why did New Year's come right after we celebrate Christmas? A new beginning. Because Christ gave you and I a restart. A restart to have the relationship that God intended at the time of creation. To reconcile all things, make something better, more what, it we, what we envision and what we look for it to, to be. And that's exactly what Christmas is. We worship and we realize as we come to know Christ, and as I said earlier, worship is an ongoing thing that we learn. When you first come to know the Lord, you know Him, but as you mature and learn more about His characteristics, the more you study, the more you pray with him, the closer you get with him. He does construction in your life. We always talk about he'll make you brand new. You know, he created you. And we, we also couple it together to say, God created you just as you are. There's nothing wrong with that. But now where he created you because uh, of a new beginning, 
not only can we be created as he intended, he now wants to change us to be even better. Any of you ever built something? You got through with it? Maybe you did a house or whatever. Maybe you did a quilt. You go back and you look. I know we do it as musicians because we do it. And we listen to how we sing that thing. And we think, you know, I could make that just a little bit better if I tweak it just a little bit. If I change this, if I add this chord, doing those things. And oftentimes we build something you go, yeah, you know, I wished at the time I had done change this a little bit. See, God created us with perfection. We don't realize it, but what he does when we accept Jesus Christ, now we have the relationship to follow the plan that he has laid out that is perfect in every way. And the more we yield and open ourselves, the more perfected we become. Finally, we reach that stage that he calls us home. He's fitting us for heaven. Away in the manger, the very last of it says, fit us for heaven. That's exactly what Christ is doing. And that's what he does daily in our lives. And he does that especially when we open ourselves up and begin to worship him. So worship is being focused on Christ. So in Christmas, we should be focused on the central point of what that is. Further scripture follows that up and lets us know. In Psalms 145, the psalmist writes the following. He says, I will exalt you, O my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. Think about that for a moment. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Every day. How does your day start every day? How do you start it out? We're creatures of habit. We do the exact same thing every time unless we're woke out of sleep because of some emergency. We go through the same ritual, right? Our eyes pop open. We stumble to the restroom. We stumble into the kitchen and turn the coffee pot on. I can tell you that happens every morning. Okay? Let the open the back door, let the dog out. That's habit. That's just, you know, at the noble's house, I can tell you what I do. That's it. I left out one thing. For me personally, every morning when I wake up, whether the alarm goes off or I don't have an alarm set and I wake up, my first thought is to thank the Lord for this day. Thank you for this day. Let me live it for you. You see, even in those prayers, we worship him worship's not about me and you oftentimes i get kind of tickled that people talk about yeah we went to church we had such a great worship session and they talk about all the activities that went on and sometimes you know how honorary i am about sometimes being that way i'll just ask them well all those things sound really great did you ever come to the point you worship the lord Try it sometime. You won't be popular, but try it. Because you get that deer-in-the-headlight look. Like, was I supposed to do that too? Being real serious, think about 
What does worship mean to you? How do you apply worship in your lives? You've got the church decorated real nice. We've given to kids now that otherwise wouldn't have a Christmas. We've given food to families that wouldn't have it. Is it just about giving them something to make us feel good? Or did we worship through giving back, allowing the Lord to direct us on what we gave because he's given us so much? You see, that's worship. This service is not about me or you or Tommy or anybody else. It shouldn't be. It should be about him. Our celebration of Christmas should be about Him. Because without Him, we have nothing to celebrate. You asked for prayers for your grandson, 16, had a wreck. And you also made the comment that he was upset. See, if we take Christ out of the Christmas, what is there to celebrate? I'm real good at causing train wrecks. I can do that all on my own. But I can't do what's right and what's pleasing and honors my God without Him. That's worship. Every time you and I follow the direction of the Holy Spirit, every time you and I pray, every time we search His, His Word in order to find answers to our questions, Every time you and I search his word to learn more about him, that's worship. When we break out in song, just as the psalmist said here, I will exalt you, my, oh my God. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. That's worship. That's worship. And he's worthy of our worship that we read here a while ago in Revelations. In Colossians 1, 19 and 20, Paul writes the following to the church there at Colossae. He says, For it pleased the Father that in Him, talking about Jesus Christ, all fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross at reconciliation. If you have no other reason to worship him, it's the very breath you have and the opportunity to have him as a savior. Christ paid that price for you and I that we don't have to look for sacrifices, that he was the sacrifice, not only a sacrifice, but the perfect sacrifice you see Christmas entails so much more Christmas brings into focus God's plan his forgiveness his love he could have just easily wiped everybody out and started over way back but he didn't he didn't and even in his word in the book of Genesis as soon as sin took place the very next thing we start reading about is the plan of salvation. 
That's what they call the red ribbon of salvation runs from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Throughout the rest of the Bible, it's all about the redemption, the reconciliation of you and I. To have a relationship with our Creator, our Heavenly Father. Psalm 66, verses 1 through 4, writes this. It says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all of the earth. It didn't say you have to sing. It didn't say you had to be in tune. It didn't say you even had to know what the tune was. It says, Make a joyful shout to God. You ever had that awe moment when something you really had brought to the Lord that you were in need of, whatever it may be, and he answered that prayers, and you just sang out, praise God, praise Jesus. Because he had you saw his actual hand touch those things or in the life of someone else that you've been praying for. It's a spontaneous utterance that happens because of the joy that we wring from honoring and and thanking him who provided that verse 2 says sing out the honor of his name sing out the honor of his name make his praise glorious say to god how awesome are your works through the greatness of your power your enemies shall submit themselves to you all of the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you, they shall sing praises to your name. Prophecy tells us in the book of Revelation, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Whether you I want it or not, doesn't make any difference. It's going to happen. Even the most hardened atheist is going to bow that knee and confess he is the king of kings. He is the Son of the living God. I have no doubt in my mind, when Madeline Murray O'Hare, and you've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again, the very instant I believe every word written in this book, Paul tells us to be absent of the body is to be in the presence of Christ. And I believe the very instant she left this earth, she was resurrected right there in heaven. Her spirit was And I just almost assured the words out of her mouth were, Oh, my God. And just because I know that the Lord has a little Texan in him, he said, Yep. (laughs) Depart from me, I never knew you. Wow. And even if it doesn't go that way, the image that that presents, Yep, I'm God. I exist. This is my son who died for you, but you rejected him. Now depart from me, because I never knew you. That's not cold. That's righteous. People proclaim, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? He doesn't. We choose. We can choose to worship him at Christmas or we can choose to do the worldly thing and just celebrate. Which will you choose? You can choose to worship him. And it's not just at Christmas. But Christmas should bring it to our forefront. You can choose to worship him 
or you can choose not to. Which will you choose? See, God chose you and I. He chose us by sending His Son to die on a cross, to be resurrected, that you and I might be the children of God. That was His choice. Nowhere does Scripture ever record that someone pleaded out, Lord, send us your Son to die in our place. God did it all on His own. Christmas, the idea of giving gifts, it's because what the Father did for you and I. The minimum you and I do as human beings is when somebody gives us a gift, we say thank you. May not be what you want, maybe exactly what you're looking for, it doesn't matter. But polite etiquette, even for old rednecks, is to say thank you. Right? Why would we not? want to thank him with our worship you see that's how we praise and thank him for what he's given us when you get that ideal christmas gift material gift that's given to you the first thing you want to do is go show everybody and tell everybody see come christmas we had service the day after christmas what you'd find is people wearing new clothes or new jewelry or whatever we would be ecstatic about what we got for christmas why are we not ecstatic about Jesus? That's what you and I got for Christmas. We would praise those people who gave it to us, and I'm so thankful. This was just what I needed. Oh, Joe or Susie gave me this. Man, they knew what I was needing. God knew exactly what we need. Why would we not want to share that with others? You see, our sharing is worship. The shepherds, Received it from the angels. The shepherds, scripture tells us, went out and told everyone they met what they had witnessed. They worshipped. It tells us they left with shouting, and with joy, and with song. That's worship. All of those things come in. When we come to this service from the very instant, even before you get here, you and I should be prepping our hearts of worship. The fellowship being able to talk with one another, the music, the scripture reading, the praise and the prayer, the message, it's all about worship. At least it should be. Our minds, you know, my prayers, we always start a service is divest our minds of all things. It's not about what's going to go on afterwards or what's gone on before. Let us focus on him. That's true worship. Worship started with Christmas Day. That birth started mine and your worship, even though we weren't present. For without the birth, we couldn't have had the death. We couldn't have had the resurrection. But the resurrection is a new beginning for you and I that started in that manger with that little bitty baby. Christmas, oh yeah. It's worship. It's worship. Got you to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here.